Hello humans, hello humans. Much later in the day, February 8th, on the outward bound leg, heading back out to the coast. So I have to go inland to do <coughs> any kind of interaction with humans in their infrastructure. And when I'm done, I head back out to the coast and the um, <laughs> interaction with the rest of the, of the planet without very, few, without very many humans. Anyway, so let's talk about uh, spaceships and the Ukraine war. <coughs> so I don't get into the Ukraine war. That's the um, coordinated destruction of the uh, Khazarian um, Empire in its hidden form. And so they're going to, you know, um, it's not Russia. Russia is coordinating with other, other groups and they're taking down the Khazarians. Anyway, so uh, wherever we have wars, uh, we get all through history. I mean, we've got paintings all the way back into 8900 AD where um, uh, people painted UFOs up in the sky while uh, on the ground they're painting the battles that, that attracted the UFOs. So they came here as like spectators. Uh, to see us do all of our nasty shit and hack at each other with swords and stuff. And they've always, uh, we've always found a, a higher concentration of um, UFO, uh, you know, evidence, hints, etc. wherever we have wars. So it's understandable that we're going to get some more UFO activity over Ukraine. What's interesting, though, is this, um, there's this uh, Ukrainian scientist who had been uh, I think it was NATO. I think he's doing it for NATO, but he's doing some work with tracking comets and meteors that would ultimately, if you actually uh, look at how he's doing it and stuff, is going to be able to track even uh, very fast-moving micrometeors. You know, little tiny guys. Uh, because what it's doing is not depending on the mass for us to see it, but rather is... Um, using two cameras separated by 120 miles or 120 kilometers excuse me uh, separating two cameras very high-speed cameras very wide aperture um, very great depth of field uh, cameras that uh, that are pixelated they rely on pixels in order to to uh, get the image but the cameras are very interesting because though the angle of light is ascertainable as it strikes the chip. So you can get an angle, so to speak, of the pixels involved. Um, anyway, so uh, two cameras separated by a known distance, both aimed at the same spot in the sky, and they're, they're basically um, able to see meteors, etc., etc., in space, comets, um, and get a, uh, a ranging effect so you can really understand how far away they, these things are and um, and how fast they're moving because you have these two points of reference uh, separated by a pretty sizable dif difference in, um, in space, these 120 kilometers, and uh, they're very high speed, so they can be activated at essentially the same instant uh, remotely taking the same picture, the same instant, same areas of the sky from 120 degree or 120 kilometer separation 
uh, which gives them a known fractional part of a degree of the Earth in order to do the calculations uh, to provide all of this really cool information. And so they've been doing this for some while, uh, going in every night and checking out all the meteors and the micrometeors and this kind of thing that happen to be captured by these cameras. Uh, Ukraine is a good place for this. Both of the places where the cameras are located are uh, without light loom from nearby uh, residences because there just aren't any. So it, it's a really a nice setup. And anyway, so the guy uh, that's in charge of it all, he, he was sort of like playing around, messing around with stuff, and decided to try doing some of this stuff during the day. He had a different, uh, or okay, so he was trying to work out a little bit of math when he first got into this aspect of it. But so they started running this stuff at, during the daytime. Now, the, the two cameras taking pictures of the daylight sky is entirely different than trying to capture, you know, movement of lights in the night sky. Um, what they discovered, though, when they were trying to do these um, arranging mathematic issues was that they discovered that there's something going on there. All right. And so it took them a while to figure out what it was, but they were getting discrete images uh, simultaneous on both cameras separated by uh, distance in the image itself of very 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 fast moving objects but they weren't getting the picture of the objects per se what they were getting was mm, basically the disturbance in the sunlight that these objects leave as they pass the camera's field of view so so basically here's the idea you're taking a picture of the, you got a camera, you're just pointing it up to the sky, and you're taking a picture of the empty sky. There's nothing up there, well, I mean, you know, birds, insects, that kind of thing, but these are not, uh, birds and insects won't trigger this particular um, process at all. I mean, they're easily, easily eliminated uh, from these, these two camera approaches, right? Um, Basically, anything that shows up on one camera that doesn't show up on another is closer, etc., etc. You can just throw it out of your your uh, calculations for uh, potential range and field of view. Anyway, so um, he takes a picture of the empty sky, and they were, as I say, they were doing calculations for calibration issues, not and, and so basic functionality kind of stuff. Um, bef uh, when they discovered this new and interesting phenomena. And the new and interesting phenomena is that there was something in the sky that was disturbing the light. So, so um, your eye takes about a tenth of a second for light to go into the eye and register on the cones. The light moves into your eye and then there's this giant delay of a tenth of a second as those cones react and give you the sensation of the light uh, in the visual cortex of your brain, which is at the back part of your brain. So that whole process takes a tenth of a second. These cameras are snapping photos where the camera and the pixels can react in fractional bits of a tenth of a second. So they're operating at, at thousands of a second, thousands of parts of a second. So they're very, 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 very fast. And what they discovered was that if they took these two pictures, they would find within the pictures the same phenomena happening uh, based on the angle and stuff in the same area of the sky. And uh, they're sure it's actually occurring, that it's not a, um, 
an artifact of their process or anything. And what this thing is that is occurring is that there is something that is moving through the field of vision um, fast enough that the human eye could not detect it. So it's invisible to us. Further, it appears to be uh, basically invisible to light. Okay, so light, it's moving so fast that light won't reflect off of it. So this is, this is why I keep calling it the Klingon bird of prey, right? Because their uh, light disruption technology was what prevented them from being seen because light would come on up and it would get disrupted and never actually reflect off of the surface so you wouldn't see it. And so that's sort of what we got going on here. These things are moving so fast that we don't get any reflected light off of it that would come down to our eyes. But we know they're there because they are actually shielding light from the sun hitting the camera. So, um, so for, uh, you know, if the camera happens to snap at the, uh, a picture at the appropriate time, you will see in that image a lack of light from the sun where this thing is. So it's literally blocking out the light that would otherwise go into the uh, chip in the camera. And, but it's moving so fast that reflected light can't bounce off of it and then get into the camera to show us a picture of it. So what we end up with is this like absence, so sort of a hole in the data coming into the camera. And if you take that uh, data hole, you can um, look at it in a software sense, and you can see how big the hole is, where it comes in on the, ang on the image, what angle it comes in at, what angle it leaves at, all of the various different parameters that are used to judge these meteors and micrometeors and stuff at nighttime when you're not dealing with sunlight trying to get into the camera lens and in fact are, are looking at you know only reflected light coming back to you. So it's an, a very interesting uh, new kind of a UFO uh, sensing device here okay this is a uh, basically a uh, serendipitous fortuitous discovery by these uh, Ukrainian scientists of this new way of looking for and at uh, these uh, unidentified aerial phenomena, the UFO, the UAP. And so they're doing that. And so the guy gets intrigued. He starts doing this stuff during the day. You can't do it at night. Their system doesn't work at night uh, because it's not working on reflected light. It's working on uh, blocking light. And so for, for our perspective, it's very much like someone standing behind you and moving their hand extremely rapidly, or maybe even like a whip or a fishing pole, extremely rapidly in your peripheral vision. And you, you don't see the object. You just know from the impact of the light on the back of your eye that there is a disturbance between you and the light source. And that's basically what we're looking at here, right? Uh, only it's really fucking fast. Okay, now, so here's the thing. Uh, these micrometeorite analyses software uh, or, or software programs to analyze the data coming in from these cameras are uh, the software is really cool. <laughs> okay, I mean these guys really thought about it. I like the way it's written um, and the information it brings back. So these guys, because of the way that they set out with the uh, parameters that they had for the micrometeors, ended up with like, in my opinion, almost a perfect. Um, uh, UFO detection system because this not only tells us where they are in the sky, how fast they're moving, and the angles they're coming into the sky. And by the way, a lot of these things zip around, do U-turns, all different kinds of shit, right? 
um, but uh, when it when they're captured in the daytime on this, we're also getting uh, sensations of or, or information of mass. So um, the Ukrainian fellow has uh, gotten images and data showing 100 meter long, um, so 300 feet, more than 300 feet long uh, UFOs that are moving at like incredible speeds, speeds so fast that you don't calculate them in miles per hour, you calculate them in degrees of arc crossed in the sky per second. Um, there, it's not possible for me to give you any meaningful understanding of how fast these things are moving. I know how they're moving. I know why they're moving this fast. Um, there's a whole lot of stuff we don't know, and there's a whole lot of stuff I don't know about them. But my understanding of the magnetics, and that I believe these things are magnetically uh, propelled, okay? Uh, it makes sense for because of the kind of disturbance that we're getting within the uh, atmosphere as they pass, and the residuals of that disturbance uh, have convinced me that indeed they are working off of a magnetically um, or, or working off of a magnetic propulsion system. And I, I won't go into I won't take your time with it. Most people aren't interested in the details. Uh, I find it fascinating because hopefully I could build one. Uh, but in any event, though, so um, these things are moving so fast and they are so huge um, that uh, it, it's how do I want to say this? Okay, so uh, these things are so big and moving so fast that we have uh, issues even trying, we would have issues even trying to stop them. So let me put it this way. They're moving so fast that if we were to like put up a brick wall, say that we made a, a, a giant building and put a uh, a brick roof over the top of it and it was really 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 big these things are moving so fast that they are very likely to I don't want to say go okay so they would go through the building smash it to absolute uh, bazillions of, uh, of uh, particles in in passing through but um, the way we're looking at the information coming out of this guy's system they're, these are invisible, and they may actually also be mm, affected materially, in the sense that it might it might not be possible for this thing moving that fast to actually uh, smash into a building. All right, because of the nature of the magnetics that we're we're looking at. So, as an instance here, when we have a jet airplane and we go really, 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 really fast we develop a bow wave of air. We're pushing air in front of our jet airplane. No matter how pointy we make that plane, no matter how sleek we make it, even with the stealth fighters um, and those kind of things that have this very thin leading edge, even with those uh, structures, we still are pushing air ahead of our vehicles as we go along. And these UAPs do not. All right, so they are not interacting with matter the way that um, our physical structures 
uh, uh, interact with matter when they travel. So this is, again, is another reason for me to think that this is done at this magnetic level. And I'm not gonna go into a, a bunch of that at the moment. Um, but it's, um, anyway, this, this, this uh, UFO scanning process is a very important discovery. We could set this up all over the planet and look at them. Uh, we can't interact with them. Uh, we can't slow them down. Uh, maybe we could talk to them. Maybe they care to talk to us. I just don't know. Uh, we don't know what they, um, the objects themselves are, nor could we anticipate their purpose, other than if we had them, we'd be out, you know, tourists, that kind of thing. Uh, but nonetheless, we know they're there. We know they're solid. We know they're built in the sense that we can determine their shapes. Um, the shapes vary. The sizes vary. There are certain uh, consistencies within the uh, shapes and sizes of these um, UFOs that they see. So, for instance, we've got 40-foot uh, tic-tac kind of guys, and we have these 100-meter-long kind of guys, and they all appear to, to share the same uh, proportionality. So uh, the 100 meter long guy is as wide proportionally as is the Tic Tac. And these proportions may be critical, may be required. I just don't know. Uh, there's so much we don't know about this. Nonetheless though, the technology is really cool. It promises to give us a, um, uh, if we get through this uh, social uh, hump that we're going through here with all of the breakdown, the Wokonians, all of that, the communism rising, uh, the central banks freaking out, all of that kind of shit. If we get through that, at least we now have a technology that could be spread around the planet and we could watch these guys, right? We could see what they're doing and where they're going and stuff. And so this, this fellow's um, mechanism for watching them during the day doesn't work at night, so we'll have to come up with something for that. Uh, there are some hints there as to uh, what we might be able to use to accomplish that. But nonetheless, so here we are with um, these things during the day, and we're seeing these uh, visitors come on down, and they don't come in a straight line necessarily. They might swoop in and do a, a little spiral thing and, and take off somewhere. We don't know where they're going or what they're doing. They're obviously inbound into the planet. Thereafter, we lose, lose track of them. Uh, so there's obviously some shit going on here on, on this planet that humanity is not participating in other than as uh, freaked out casual observers. It's my opinion that as part of this uh, waking process, and I think we'll get into this part of the, the waking process in this summer, but it is my opinion that humans are going to get uh, a lot more aware of themselves and uh, time and uh, such things as these UFO visitors. And we're going to be discussing that in a much more open fashion and actually doing things to um, find some and uh, find some more data out about this and also figure this, this stuff out to kind of come up with an idea of, okay, you know, what really is going on here? And, you know, who are these people? What are they doing here? And uh, how are they going to be interacting with this? And and uh, do we need to be concerned, et cetera, et cetera, right? I'm paranoid, you know? <laughs> I don't like all these space aliens showing up and I'm not aware of it. Um, so uh, that's, as I say, you know, I'm paranoid. Take, take all this stuff with a grain of salt, but nonetheless, it is factual that this guy has discovered that in Ukraine, we're seeing massive amounts of um, 
UFO activity through his, his scanning device. And it makes sense because of the Ukrainian war. And these, these UFOs are coming down and um, looping around in circles and stuff as though they're observers, as though they're just hanging out, checking out what's happening. Anyway, uh, coming up to my next stop, I've had problems locating tractor parts. Everything out here corrodes. I've got a bunch of, of literally never been used before connectors uh, exposed to the um, air out here that have totally corroded themselves into uh, non-use. Just sitting there. All right, what's that Yahoo doing? Okay. Anyway, so um, just an interesting noodle, right? Lots of UFO activity. I'm not going to be particularly surprised. I'll be jumping up and down and, and happy as a, as a clam at high tide um, this summer if in June, July, or August we start getting this big pop of uh, UFO discussion, especially if we're talking about discussion of hidden documents and, uh, you know, government actually ponying up some of the stuff that they know. All this stuff's coming out. Government is not going to survive the way that you understand it. All of the mountains of classified information are going to go away. We're going to have tons of this stuff revealed, and our whole social order is in the process of changing. It must, as a necessity, it must change in order that we survive, because we're so close to this, like, um, 1177 BC uh, kind of an event, you know, the collapse of the Bronze Age, which, according to what I'm looking at, that all occurred in like less than a year. Anyway, uh, so I'm at the construction site here, so I gotta get get some shit done. Um, I'll make another one of these in a bit. There's just so much to talk about, guys. Everybody should go in and listen to Max Egan too when he pops up from Anarchapulco. All right. And there we go.